Welcome to Business as an Adventure, a podcast dedicated to improving the businesses and lives of creative entrepreneurs. Together, we interview high-performing entrepreneurs and creatives from all over the world, explore what makes them and their business unique. And along the way, we uncover their secrets to help you craft your own adventure in the world of business. All right. So today we have Zoe Jamelli, a photographer and copywriter from Toronto, Canada. I originally met Zoe at the Real Life Conference for Women Photographers in Portland, Oregon. I, of course, wasn't attending, uh, but my wife Abigail was, and I tagged along with a few of the other uh, husbands to some social outings and met Zoe, and we hit it off pretty much instantly and decided that we were basically twins. Uh, we're both usually wearing plaid, uh, <laughs> and Zoe and I have stayed in touch since. Angie has met her a few times now. She's taught our Facebook group. Uh, she's not only a talented photographer, spending most of her time in that realm now focusing on commercial and personal work, but is also an incredibly skilled copywriter, which is where uh, she does most of her work for photographers these days, uh, helping them craft strong, approachable copy for their websites, their social media, and anywhere else they need good copy. She is an outspoken supporter of so many causes, including Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ issues, and has a secret superpower of being an amazing stylist for her friends and possibly one of the best huggers that I have ever met. So welcome, Zoe. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, really glad to have you here. Wow, that is some intro. <laughs> He's really good <laughs> at that, guys. Huh? <laughs> oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> like, that person sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much. That was really beautiful. And uh, I just want to like uh, let it be known that I wasn't part of the husband. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the wording did sound a little strange <laughs> on that day. Right? I was this like, wait a minute. I need a copywriter. <laughs> right? I know. We're paying attention. Exactly. Right off the bat, um, telling you what you're doing uh, wrong, Dave. Time to hire right? Zoe. Pretty right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you my bill. I'll send you my bill. <laughs> Just invoice me for the whole podcast. I'm sure I'm doing lots of things wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Done. So what are you up to these days? Jeez, I actually just, I'm fortunate to have landed a whole bunch of work That's out of awesome. nowhere. So I'm like, hey, after the drought called COVID, this is fantastic. So yeah, I got a, I've got a bunch of photo gigs and I got a whole bunch of writing gigs and uh, and I'm launching my new site. Which and, might be the coolest yeah, looking been, website I have seen in a long time. Really? Mm -hmm. I love that because you guys are like, you're the guru. You're the gurus <laughs> of websites. Well, you're, and your logo. I just, uh -huh. I love this logo so much. And we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. But I mean, like you look at that logo and you know it's yeah. you. You know, you have like the glasses and then like the little the little curl that comes down onto your forehead. I'm just like, oh, that's that's mm -hmm. Zoe. Yeah, that was uh, so smartly done. Uh, you know, it was a recommendation. And then I took it to my good friend uh, who's a graphic designer, Chris Cushman, who's also a photographer. And he made it happen. But it was actually Erica Mann who recommended that concept and we just okay. went with it job, of course erica you know she's on everything she has anything she's not good at. i mean really <laughs> uh yeah but thank you i I'll, I'll let chris know i love it and i had a lot of fun building the site as well yeah. so even though i'm not a website builder <laughs> it was fun but you are now so then, um, Zoe, talk to us a little bit of what it's like to be a copywriter specifically for photographers. What are some of the, I mean, obviously one of the services that you offer mm -hmm. them, but then also what are the pitfalls that you see a lot of photographers fall into when it comes to copywriting for their brands? Can, we, can I dial that back a little bit and you explain what copywriting is first for people who may not have heard yeah. that term? Sure, absolutely. Copywriting is basically um, someone who writes specifically for marketing purposes. And so the copy that I write or the words that I put together for people tend to be marketing specific or branding specific for websites or blogs or social media along that realm, at least. So, yeah, sorry. No, you're good. See, I'm <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, com common pitfalls or things that photographers tend to fall in, what would you say are things that you see if somebody hires you or you look at a photographer's website or social or, or marketing copy, like what are things that like you see over and over again? Really bad Instagram posts with bad, great photos, bad copy. I see that a lot. What would constitute bad copy? For someone who's not well-versed in this. Oh, it was something like, you know, a, a beautiful, you know, award-winning image and then a line that says, you know, 
isn't love grand. <laughs> yeah, you know, like so not necessarily poorly written. There's just no, there's no, um, there's no tie between the image and then the, the writing. There's no tie between it, and often it's just lackluster and doesn't really add anything. I would tell people don't even put that. That was the case. Like it just it, it detracts, in my opinion, from the post. And you could just hashtag instead of actually putting you know, any of that stuff or just lead people. Yeah. Just elsewhere onto your blog or something. Instead of just writing, I love love for the hundredth time. I know. Or, you know, or some, or swoon hashtag swoon. Yes. Yes. My favorite wedding of all times, you know, (laughs) those kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, people know, right. And the advice I give to people in those moments is if you can't write something, then don't, I mean, first off, but also just try to go back to the moment, not don't get so prolific in your mindset about it. Go back to actually that moment with those people and write about that instead of writing about this big thing that there have been many, many words written about called love. You know, we know about it. (laughs) How do you feel about the quoters? I think that, I mean, I I use them every once in a while too. I think they're okay if you use them sparingly. Mm. And if it's specific to something, like I like them to really mean something and have a very direct connection. But then I will often then go on and explain why I've picked that quote, what the relationship is. But it's okay. I mean, I feel like some people, I don't want to, I don't want to say that it's bad for people that can't write because it's still a tool, you know, and if you just are not comfortable writing and that is something that you're still, you still love words and you can still find something that's important to you to put on a post, then by all means you know, but there's, there are ways to get better at writing or to hire somebody or, you know, those kinds of things. So I don't want to be like the, per, the you know, the person that puts people down for those things at all. Cause no, no. And that's always what know, I was looking for. It's not I was that. just curious. Cause like, yeah. it's always been, uh, there was one photographer when we started out, um, Gabe McClintock who always quoted. And then it seemed like it picked up steam and a whole bunch of other people were doing that. And it's like for Gabe, that's his mm-hmm. shtick. He's been, he's been doing that since day one. It was never a gimmick or anything mm-hmm. for him. That was just, maybe he didn't want to write or whatever, but then it seemed like it, it grew and, and more and more people did that. And I just wasn't sure from a copywriter's perspective, if you saw that as, as acceptable or lazy or whatever. I think it's a bit of both. Fair enough. I think it's acceptable. And I think that you need to, lazy. You, you know, it's also, it's, it's it's less about lazy, but just not focusing on the right thing, uh, which would be to learn how to write what you really want to say yourself. Mm-hmm. That's all in my mind. But that's not lazy. Some people are afraid of learning those things or don't think they can. So gotcha. So what about when it comes to? I'm just going to focus on Instagram for a while because I always have so many thoughts around Instagram. <laughs> There's people who like they'll post a photo from a wedding or engagement session or something else like that and this is like say a photographer that has a very personal brand a brand that is all about their identity their personality and so the copy instead has nothing to do with the photograph the photograph is just there because it's instagram and it has to have a photograph and then the post is about their life or something that they're thinking about or whatever how do you Mm -hmm. like it's not really a copywriting question but maybe you've thought about this from a copywriting perspective where the, mm-hmm. the the words don't match the photo. I mean, that happens across the internet, obviously. But I, I mean, the thing in those in those those moments, you know, there's this essence of we're supposed to be sharing who we are as photographers, and those are those kinds of posts. If that's your entire shtick, and you're never showing anything other than those posts then you're more of a blogger, <laughs> really, on some level, right? Like, that's really your personal blogging space, essentially. Uh, I think, obviously, people can put more effort into matching those things. You know, how it's not, it's not totally difficult. But I don't think it's wrong to, to write those personal posts and put photos that, you know, are somewhat connected to you, probably photos that you took, obviously, And, you know, maybe even explaining why that photo or, you know, maybe somehow tying it in. But, you know, I just think that it would just like the quoting, I think, you know, using them sparingly. It's it shouldn't be your every single post. That's just my take personally. Mm -hmm. I think there's a there's a you know, there's sort of I look at Instagram as, you know, an editorial calendar the same way that you would in a magazine. Right. You should parse it out. You should think about what you want to say when 
you know, how many times have you said something, shared something personal? How many weddings? How many this per month, per week? Set it up in a way that's very, that gives it, shows it breadth. Hmm. See, I knew you'd have good thoughts about this. <laughs> <laughs> and they just came to me. <laughs> and then, so how about website homepages? Because you've, you've been through our website course. You know how Angie yeah. and I feel when it comes to your homepage and things that should or shouldn't be on there. But from a, from a strictly word mm-hmm. perspective, what are some of the most common pitfalls or problems that you see throughout the photography industry, regardless of genre? Either too little or too much. There's almost sort of a real wide gap between those two things. And I, I, I say that because sometimes people just dump information. It's, it's less about it being, you know, marketing copy or copywriting specific. It's much more about just, you know, Hey, I do all these things and I'm this amazing person and I'm, you know, look at all these things that I shot and whatever is more conversational or whatnot and less about kind of engaging who's viewing it. And they, that feels like a dump just feels like a dump of information. So that's too much. And then other times it's just photos and it's a, you know, contact me, that's it, nothing else. And, you know, for some people that works really well, especially if it's more of an artistic photographer, you know, someone who's doing galleries and and stuff like that, that seems to be very streamlined, but they still usually have an about me page and sometimes it's whimsical and sometimes it's not. But yeah, I I feel like there needs to be a balance and specifically if you're, if they are trying to find paid clients, they need to do the work, you know, as you guys teach in, you know, finding their ideal client and speaking to those people. So when you're working with a photographer and they have a good idea of who their ideal client is, what does your process look like when you're creating enticing language to draw in those clients to their website? You know, I mean, I I obviously have to dive into that same world that they do because it's important for me to understand who they think their clients are. And it's not up to me to change their mind on that you know I just have to actually think about the same exact things and how those people would engage and sometimes it requires that I do my own research as well and then come back and kind of position it and propose you know certain angles or spaces but it's you know as a copywriter you know it's great that people are doing that work and then presenting it to someone like me to be able to do to write to but I have to then know who I'm talking to as well then how does one even start that research process? So if I was like, if I was a a light and airy photographer that focused on a really high-end clientele, are are you going to like brand specific pages that, you know, if they're like, they wear Louis Vuitton shoes, are you looking at that, that language that they use there? I mean, what does that process look like? Well, I mean, first off to just step back a, a minute, like obviously when they share with me their, you know, ideal client avatar, those sorts of things, that stuff is all kind of written out for me, right? The brands, the ideas, those things. So it's easy to go to that. You know, I'm very aware of the fact that there's a thing called plagiarism that we want to avoid. So when I go to these sites where I look at those sorts of things, it's really about the essence of the language. It's really about, you know, is it an elegant language? Is it sparse you know, are there certain keywords that they're using phrases? Sometimes I'll like pick up on a couple of words and I'll write them out and then I'll go and look up, you know, an thesaurus, something else. I don't copy ever, but I will be inspired by those things in both a visual and copy written, the words perspective. So mm-hmm. what about when it comes to a photographer's voice? Um, when I'm coaching photographers, oftentimes they they have an idea of what their style is. They may or may not have an idea of what their brand voice is. And then when it comes to copy on the website, I feel like people tend to lean one direction or another, either really professional or really quote unquote fun, or you mentioned the word whimsical earlier mm-hmm. and, and have a really hard time finding that balance. Is that something that you would work with a photographer on to figure out what that voice is? Like, should their FAQs be fun and playful or should they be like, you get this many photos? I mean, this is, this is absolutely the essence of it all, right? This is the whole point is getting across who they are to their client. So I spend a lot of time interviewing clients. I come from a journalism background, so it's easy for me to do that. And we play around with 
you know, what they think it is. I also ask them to send me sites of photographers that they, that resonate with them, that write and resonate from that perspective specifically so that I can look at, you know, what are they saying? Again, just to get that, that idea. But then we always have the editing round process, which, you know, if it doesn't, if I write something and it's not them, I want them to tell me, I don't want them to you know, think that that's just it and it's the gold standard. It's not, you know, everything is rewritable and, you know, we can edit forever. Not really, but, you know, there's a, there's a fee involved in that, <laughs> in the forever concept. But yeah, I mean, it is really an interactive process as it has to be. And, you know, a lot of the photographers that I'm working with have old copy that they have from old websites. You know, they're not doing this for the first time. They've been in business for a while. They're revamping, they're redoing. And sometimes I, I generally always try to take a look at that copy as well to see like, are there things that they said that, you know, we didn't pick up on or, you know, nuances again. So. Mm-hmm. I have so many <laughs> questions to ask you. Oh, I'm here all night. Well, I mean, let's, let's talk about, Let's talk about, you said that you have, um, you're, you're busy yeah. right now. So you have a lot of new clients that you're writing yes. for. What does marketing your services to photographers look like? You know, that's a question that I wish I had a really amazing answer for. <laughs> However, somehow in some really wonderful way, all of my clients have come to me through word of mouth at this point. Um, I've done zero marketing. So I think it's just me. <laughs> that's my marketing tool at the moment. That's not what I want to use going forward. And uh, it's not a great answer, but it's the Why truth. Not? Well, I mean, I mean, solely, solely me. Like, I mean, okay, you know, there's okay. got to be some, something, social media, you know, doing, doing more, you know, more actual marketing, but I have more of a structured marketing campaign. That, that, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> Um, and it's not my forte. I can write the copy, but it's not my forte to to do that either. So um, yeah, I'm I'm really sort of, you know, was blown away and, and very fortunate that it just things have come to me. So how how long is the process normally? Like, if say someone comes to you and says, "Zoe, I need help. I you know I know I need words uh, on my website or here or there or whatever in my emails, but I don't even know." where to begin like what is lay out that process for me. sure absolutely so uh it, it happened recently someone wrote and said they've done all of the work on their new website but the copy wasn't anything that they were comfortable with and they're not a writer and so we scheduled a meeting and we did a zoom call where they showed me the their new site that's not published yet because there's no words in it. And we walked through that and I had already looked at the old site and we walked through kind of a combination of those things and, um, you know, just talked about needs. And then, uh, you know, in that case, it's an entire website, essentially. Often I will get people that just want blog posts written. They've got enough copy that they think you're comfortable with and they don't want to go there yet. And that's totally fine. Blogging is another whole topic that we can talk about that people want to pull their hair out, you know, and I get it. Um, but I also, I don't necessarily, um, I see the difference between somebody who needs a whole website redone versus just blogging. And those are two separate entities and they do relate, but they're not, they can be completely separate. So, so with this, this scenario that I just went through when we were, when we were done the meeting, it was just a matter of, you know, talking timelines, talking quotes. And then the next step is once we get going to map out specific sections of, you know, what, what, what specific sections need words and what is the sort of essence that they think they want to put there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I write to that and I send them first draft. Um, and then we basically go through a round or two of editing. It can take a week, it can take a month, it can take a summer, <laughs> you know, it depends on how much there is. Um, I try to keep, I'm trying to keep <laughs> the hours in check because, you know, it can grow and grow and grow. And um, sometimes that's okay. And other times I just want to make sure that they feel like they're on track because everybody has timelines. 
you know, and, and, and their goal for when they want to launch. So that's kind of a full website project near to the end of the website. I'll, I'll be like jumping in to make live edits on the site myself, you know, so that it sort of streamlines things, but um, yeah. Okay. So you mentioned blogging being a whole other topic. Mm -hmm. I know you're a bit of a, of a, of a blog evangelist, which I like. Talk to me about, so in my opinion, there's two schools of thought when it comes to, well, three schools of thought when it comes to blogging. School number one being, I hate it, I don't want to do it, so I'm not going to. School number two being, I'm doing it specifically for SEO, and as long as I get all my keywords in there, that's all that really matters. Um, and then school number three being, the blog is a vessel for my business and for my voice and everything else like that. Now, I definitely know you're part of that third camp. Totally. Can you talk to, you know, if this, if this was your soapbox moment, could mm -hmm. you talk to photographers about why they should be blogging and perhaps how they should be blogging? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, look, if, if they don't want to blog, that's a prerogative, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel like they're just, they're just leaving money on the table essentially. Um, and if you start to think about SEO, blogging is the obvious way to, to um to do that and to to infuse that and so therefore you have item number two and three together in one and it really just becomes you know not blogging or blogging you know in in, in that sort of context you guys teach this and so many other amazing um seo people will teach this and really does matter that you're showing your work in a certain context and you're showing yourself in that context you know, in the vision of that at, as you're going along. And the blog is a perfect opportunity to be able to say, I was there, this is what I saw, this is what I shot, and, and, and leave somebody with an essence of both the wedding and them. But people get uh, very tripped up because they don't set themselves up for success for the most part. Photographers are often not writers and I'm just happen to be both. So I'm fortunate that way. And I didn't even necessarily think of the fact that that was a problem for some people. I just assumed that, you know, people were going home and remembering all the details and taking notes and being a little diligent journalist like I am. Um, but they weren't, <laughs> uh, it turns out. And I, th I get asked often by photographers, you know, do you have any advice? Like, you know, and I always start with, well, you know, what's your process for recording your thoughts from the day and you know how do you take notes and what do you do when you when you're leaving the weddings or your events and they look at me like speaking another language to them and so it just starts with you know explaining that setting them setting them up for success is the very first thing which is you know take as many notes as you possibly can and that alone will stop you know th that frozen moment six weeks later when you're about to have to blog it and you're sitting there going, I've edited for 40 hours and I've gone through all the rounds with the client and I don't even want to remember this wedding. I hate these people, <laughs> you know, at this point, <laughs> I don't want to be a wedding photographer anymore. You know, whatever it is, like, you know, that's not the moment you want to blog. That's really, it's not the moment you want to remember the details of the day and the things that impress you and the little you know, the little moments that you are the only person that get, got to witness. So yeah, I really do sort of recommend leaving a wedding and getting in your car and immediately just dumping as much of that information into a digital voice recorder. And that's the number one tip. And that alone will change the entire process for people who are afraid of blogging. There's a lot of other stuff that happens after that. And, you know, I, I get that not everyone wants to push words around like I do. And, and there's, you know, there's stuff that there are options out there in the world hiring people like me, you know, sending it out once you get to that space. But it starts with the information that they gather and they don't they don't record that information correctly. Then, yeah, the whole entire process falls apart and it becomes completely daunting. How do you feel about, because I'm a big proponent of this style of blogging, not just the blogging shoots. I think blogging shoots is is great. My feeling when it comes to blogging shoots is it's great for your couple who you photographed. It's potentially good for, for marketing purposes because people will see as long as you are paying attention and writing good things about them, people will see it's like, oh, they care. The photographer cares about us and our story. But for the most part, 
people don't care about other people's weddings. So they're not like going on there and being like, oh, I'm going to read all of this and everything mm-hmm. else like that. Mm-hmm. From from my perspective, uh, from a business point of view, the strongest articles or the strongest blogs that you can have on your website are problem solving articles, what to do if it rains on your wedding day, mm-hmm. here are my five favorite venues, all of these sorts of things. And it mm-hmm. seems like photographers not as a whole, but in general, really struggle with that kind of writing mm-hmm. um, more so. Like they can write about a, a wedding until the cows come home because that's mm-hmm. their work. That's mm-hmm. what they do. But mm-hmm. when it comes to doing this other style, like either a listicle or uh, a problem solving article, which Google is loving more and more, that's Excellent. where they really, really struggle. Yeah. And I mean, that comes back to the idea of those are journalism pieces, really. You know, that's about research. That's about, you know, critique, critique. That's about a lot of things that they have to pull together. And uh, I can I can see that that is a little bit harder. And I think that people probably just want it to sound like, you know, something off of, you know, the wedding wire or whatever, something, whatever sites you know that that have those venue, those venue lists and whatnot it it's it's that's daunting you're also you know you are you have relationships with a lot of those venues you're going to talk about and so you want to make sure you say things that are appropriate and not piss them off or you know say say something that um you know that could be misconstrued so there's that as well you know there's all those kinds of things that are fear factors for people um and like it's actually they're not hard to write at the end of the day even if you just did them in you know really point form venue name location here's their website here's you know how many weddings i've shot there it doesn't have to be that you're actually writing a big huge chunk of prose to go with it it can be really streamlined and you know and and the opening two three sentences of you know hey here's the you know the hottest venues of 2020, which, by the way, are all of everyone's backyards, but, you know. Um, <laughs> true. Great <laughs> right? True. Um, well, I mean, we just did, you know, a small intimate piece for, for Sarah Jane's website um, for that exact reason. You know, the options for smaller weddings uh, that include backyards. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I feel like, you know, it can all be parsed out. It can all be broken down into smaller bites. And I think that that that's probably the number one thing that I would tell people is, you know, it doesn't have to be daunting. And if it is daunting, then there's, you know, there are other issues that they just don't feel comfortable writing it at all. I love those articles, though. I think that you're right. They do really engage potential clients in new ways and they're Googleable. You know, people are landing on those for other reasons and, you know, that's leading them backwards to the photographer. So they're, they're really, uh, they're really useful. Yeah. And that's exactly why I recommend them a lot of times to my clients is like, what are your clients going to Google before they Google you? Exactly. Because if they can get that answer on your website and then see an article full of beautiful photos that you happened to also take then it's almost like they get to kill two birds with one stone. So they're like, great, now we've found our venue. And we also have this photographer who crushes at that venue. So we may as well just do both. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which no one's ever going to Google, you know, Billy and Virginia's lakeside wedding. They Mm -hmm. may read that on your blog, but it's Mm -hmm. not something that they're actively going to be searching for. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the, um, you know, the personal blog posts, letting people in on a little bit of you. And and I think those have to be in there. Um, I think they're really beautiful way of showcasing, you know, who you are in your life, what matters to you. And and I think they don't have to be, you know, once a month. They can be once every six months. But just to give an essence of something that mattered and something new this year, you know, and not, you know, only speaking to other photographers. You know, I got this new camera, <laughs> uh, this new gear. It's, you know, it's really, you're speaking to your client about who you are and what matters to you. Mm-hmm. Angie, I know you love I'm super personal posts. into that. I saw you perk yeah. up as soon as Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Let's I, talk about I that. Just, I just feel like, that. you know, if you're going to have a, a personal brand, especially if your name is attached to photography, whatever it is, if you're leaving yourself out of the equation, you're just you're not doing anyone any favors, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the folks who, um, you know, follow along with me on Instagram and they see my Insta stories with my daughter and stuff like that. By the time they meet me, 
they feel like they already know me. Like they, they know mm-hmm. that I yeah. have like a old cranky dog. They know that my daughter's super into frozen. They've read the blog posts that I've put on my site about my personal life and it makes the connection so much stronger. So yeah, if people are going for a personal brand, they, they have to be a part of that no matter how uncomfortable it is. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And and I love that about all of your posts too. So, oh, thank you know, you. Um, no, because it, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where we met at real life, but I think I feel like I got to know you a bit more through all of that. Yeah. You know, as we go along anyways. Right. So, right. yeah, they're very, they're very powerful and, um, you know, they, you can use them like you do, or you can, you know, just throw one here and there, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a very good way to let them know what matters. This person that's going to spend this time and energy and, you know, have a persona at your day yeah, is, is part of it too. Absolutely. Know? So um, if someone were to hire a, a copywriter, someone that, such as yourself, um, mm-hmm. what, what does the typical investment on that look like for them? Well, it depends on... Um, it depends on what they want. And I'm, 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 if they want a whole website written, depending on how many pages and, you know, how many um, subsections there are. So for instance, you know, if they offer two different types of photography completely, those are two separate sort of things. So I will look at it as a whole and I will quote them as a whole, but, you know, generally it, it, my, it can go from $1,600 to $4,000 in something as, something as big as the entire website mm-hmm. because it is a lot of work to nail down the things like the voice and who you're talking to and um you know making sure you're getting all of that done and it, it is dependent on how much information that you have and how long your home page is how long your about me page is those sorts mm-hmm. of things so it's about that for a whole website blogs blogging is different there's mm-hmm. um for me, I offer like a per post. Sometimes people will just randomly send me messages and like, I can't write this thing. Can you write this for me? And it's a one-off. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's good to to also offer um, packages. And so for me, I offer bundles and I also offer a retainer model depending on, you know, you know what your specific need is. And it can be a monthly, you know, two posts, four posts. And then, uh, yeah. And that, that investment is like $200 to, you know, six, six twenty five a month kind of thing, you know, depends on what you need. Um, so, yeah. So how many clients are you working with right now? That's a good question. I think. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just wonder. Like, I didn't write that down. I think about. Like on the hot spot, I, no, no. <laughs> no, I know. Okay, well, let, like, let, me, let me tell you the, the reasoning behind the question. So, yeah. you know, as a photographer, we think about. You know, okay, so I have, let's say I'll have a wedding on Saturday. Okay, so that's like the one client I'm working with there. Maybe I'm talking with two other potential clients. Maybe mm-hmm. I have a wedding in mm-hmm. two weeks. So, you know, at the most, kind of the, the most people that I'm really talking with, you know, maybe around five, maybe. Right, right. I mean, everybody's yeah. kind of different. So I, I do wonder yeah. what the uh, what the client load looks like for someone who's a copywriter that works, you know, like specific jobs in increments. Yeah, I mean... Right now, I don't have very many blogging clients, so I'm okay. assuming that once that starts to, you know, become more of a thing, I will be more in contact with those people on a regular basis, um, for obvious reasons. Uh, and when weddings and things come back more, <laughs> you know, that's sort of part of the the challenge right now is that people aren't blogging them because there's just not as much to blog. But right. um, websites are the thing right now, as we know, because we just had all this time. Um, and you know, what, what, you know, what should we do with all this time? Let's, let's, uh, revamp websites. So, um, we haven't touched in five years. (laughs) If ever. Yeah. If ever. If ever. So those clients, yeah, I mean, it can be a couple a month and then I have various different segments. Sometimes I just do a, 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 an overview. I just look at the last minute and kind of give them, you know, they've done as much as they can and I'll just give them sort of a, um, you know, a last look and some final thoughts on, on it, where they could work on some things better. Those clients come and go, so they're not regularly active. But right. Yeah. And I mean, I also, I will say, you know, when I, when I said that I'm like busy this month, it's copywriting and photography that I'm busy with okay. both. 
because I'm also a photographer. <laughs> and I um, I copyright for other people too. So other other genres. I'm working on two book projects right now, and so I have other stuff on that on that uh, in that realm. So. I find that so fascinating. The whole writing books for other people. There's a, a really love a, a, one of my favorite marketing books is uh, is called The Introvert's Edge, mm-hmm. and they actually sort of like break the fourth wall eight or nine chapters into the book. And he mentions, Hey, I had my copywriter write this book. So I'm going to have my copywriter write this next chapter about if you're not good at words, let somebody else be good at words mm-hmm. for you. It's yeah. like, I got to that point in the book and I was just like, Oh my God. That's exactly like, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, ghostwriting has been around forever. Right. And, sure. um, yeah, I mean, like the the concept of ghostwriting, it's definitely something that, like, you know, I've heard my entire life, and 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 you hear it thrown around, but it was just, it was just when that wall broke, and seeing the difference in voice from the copywriter, the ghostwriter, to Matthew Pollard, who was the quote unquote author of the book, and just seeing that magic, it's like, oh my god, like, is writing as two different people, and I just found that part. It's like conceptually i knew that that was the thing but then to actually like see how the sausage was made was mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. quite a bit of different process it is kind of awesome actually i, I love that um i i don't I, I love it because no one gets my writing for me no one gets that voice you know mm-hmm. only i get that voice and it's a very specific voice um but i really enjoy kind of getting into the head of clients and and what their voice is and where they're headed and you know maybe every once in a while i'll throw them a sentence but it would be mine but um <laughs> you know but it's fun i actually really i thoroughly enjoy it um in fact you know because you're looking at it from it's a challenge but it's also you know you really are there are different characters you know essentially is, is how you can kind of look at it and um it's it's nice to get into the head of those characters, especially for a book. It's like you get to be like a professional chameleon. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. I'm putting that on my website. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> wait, wait. You just copyright for me. Do I owe you money now? Is that how that works? <laughs> I'll send you the invoice okay, later. <laughs> All right. So, Angie, do you have any other questions about copywriting? Because if not, I want to take a wild left turn here. I am really satisfied with all of Zoe's answers. Woo-hoo. She's doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm excited about this left turn. Let's do okay, it. Okay. So Zoe, you and I talked a little bit about this. I don't remember if it was at real life or on one of our many Zoom calls or, or whereabouts this came, but back in the day you were a wedding photographer and back in the day you were a wedding photographer almost, and correct me where I'm wrong here, almost exclusively for the LGBTQ community. Correct. I know so many photographers who love equality and love wanting to shoot weddings for everybody else, but that is a really hard market to break into. Mm-hmm. Abby and I have been shooting for 12 years and we've managed to shoot all of two same-sex weddings mm-hmm. in, in that time. It is just not an easy market to get. And we want to have it out there to say, hey, look, we support this. We don't mm-hmm. want it to be seen as somebody who doesn't. But do, do you have like... Obviously, I know how you got into that. It's it's part of your community that you that you you run in. But do you have any advice for somebody who was would try to want to to show those like not not in a tokenism way? I'm rambling here. I don't want to. But do you have any advice for a photographer who wants to start shooting same sex weddings? I mean, you know, just the same that I would tell anybody that wants to start with a niche of any sort. I would definitely recommend trying to shoot for free, you know, getting those, those people in so that you can first actually have the weddings to show or the various things to show, you know, doing a contest, doing a pride related contest, something like that. Um, Being active in the social media world for those um, communities as well. Uh, I often get tagged. I don't shoot weddings anymore. And I still appreciate the tagging, but for the most part, they're kind of of the past for me. But there's all kinds of different sites that, you know, social media sites that people will tag me in that are surprising where someone who's, you know, queer couple who, you know, needs a photographer and then I get tagged in. It's not even a queer community based 
you know, group or any of those things. I'm just known now within that realm. But, you know, joining those things and joining those discussions and putting your name out there on those levels is obviously a good thing. But it just it just comes down to, you know, comfort. I mean, you have to understand that a lot of what's happening, you know, in a queer context is that we we weren't allowed to marry for a long time. We weren't allowed to show love outwardly for a long time. Uh, you know, we fought tooth and nail. We fought with blood, you know, on the streets. And there is something really beautiful about having someone who represents your community as that person for you. So the idea of breaking into it as as a straight couple who wants to shoot more weddings is a beautiful idea. And I definitely think that there's space for all. And it should just be about weddings in general and not necessarily queer weddings, you know. But I do also really appreciate the essence of that nuance, you, you know, that specific nuance to, you know, to use this as an example. I mean, if someone sh hired me to go to Hawaii to shoot a wedding, you know, like it would just be so out of context for me. And that's not, it's not the same necessarily as, you know, queer wedding, but it just still is fish out of water kind of concept. Right. Um, and I'm not the expert, you know, um, right. I, I'm the expert on my queer life. So, you know, I bring that to the table and I, I can, you know, I can sort of address things on that level that in an unspoken, unwritten, the way that I show up kind of a way, usually because I'm wearing a bow tie, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> so really the key is bow ties now. Um, but, you know, I really think that there's also some really beautiful ways to just show inclusion. And I think, you know, to, again, sorry to bring up Lanny and Erica, but they're just the best, you know. Um, <laughs> but they do a great thing where they do a pride giveaway. and. Mm -hmm you know, that's a massive gift. And I got to tell you that at least from my segment of the queer community, we, we can't afford Lanny and Erica. So the opportunity even, you know, to women, to female incomes, I can't afford that. So that opportunity alone is a great thing. And it's a great way to just get out there and say like, hey, we're, we're willing to work with lesbian couples or, you know, non-binary mm -hmm. couples, you know, to, 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 look at it from the perspective of what's the um what's a barrier to entry as well you know that to me is actually probably more essential than anything because networking within those worlds it, it's going to look obvious you know and i think that authenticity matters so much more in the queer community you know from from that perspective so um it's not the only way to you know free is not always the greatest thing you know i get it and we we all kind of have to balance those things but i think that's a a strong dipping of a toe in the waters you know right to gain trust right. really it's gaining trust mm -hmm. yeah so. i think that's where you're right where the authenticity comes in it's like if you're going to give that free shoot away so that you can gain access to the community then you better stay part of that community in some way, shape or form. Don't just show up once a year and be like, Hey, it's that time again. Yeah. 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 I mean, and <laughs> you know, I'm, I mean, we're seeing more, uh, you know, free shoots for various different communities. So this is just, you know, we're using the queer community because I'm a part of it, but there's a lot of, a lot of ways that we can support those that couldn't necessarily have those experiences. And that does have to happen throughout the year. You know, our, 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 our black, um, avatars need to happen throughout the year. You know, that's, that's, it's the same exact thing for any, anyone in that context. You know, we're going to support black lives matters. It's, it's all year. It's every day. It's every breath, you know, we're going to support the queer community. It's that same thing. So yeah, showing up for pride alone is, you know, it's a big party and I'm still queer on, you know, Valentine's day. Like I'm still queer you know, <laughs> in September, like, you know, I mean, it's that it's, it's supporting gay rights, you know, politically, it's supporting, you know, the communities politically as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you have to, you have to walk that, walk the talk, you know, yeah, you have to walk. Right. Yeah. Can't just be tokenism. Yeah, no, I, and yeah. that's, I mean, that's very well seen from many miles away. So, 
yeah, authenticity is really the the way and just accepting that there's also potentially not a space for them there. You know, that's also okay. I mean, I get it. That's a really, it's, you know, it's a tough one, but I also, you know, I, I think we all need to just respect that sometimes that's not always going to be the best thing. Yeah. No, you know? I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a great thought of, you know, that maybe that's not the space isn't for you. I completely agree with that. Uh, I just want to play devil's advocate here, which please know, do. I'm, I'm a white guy. It's my job. Right? <laughs> no mansplaining, please. Yeah. No mansplaining. <laughs> I, I, I just want to like, I've heard the argument from people of like, but if I don't have them on my website, then I'm going to be canceled. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, I mean, I'm not saying that people should shoot a same sex wedding from a place of fear. I think that's absolutely the wrong thing that mm-hmm. you should do or shoot a black wedding out of fear, shoot an Indian wedding, whatever, like, mm-hmm. but by all means, just like photo- photograph the things that you want to photograph. But what would you say to somebody who says that, that like, if I don't have it on my website, I'll be canceled. So there has to be a space for me. You know, potentially in their market, that's the truth. You know, that that is potentially the way for them. And I would say to them, if you feel so strongly about shooting queer people, then go shoot queer people. You have to have people within your community. If you love us so much, you've got to have friends. Get them on your website, you know, get them into a couple of really spiffy outfits and shoot them. Just do freebie, you know, model shoots, if that's the case. Real couples, though, you know. Everybody knows somebody queer that, you know, might want that. At least if they're considering shooting queer weddings, they better know queer people. So, yeah, I I get it, especially like, you know, certain people are in areas of the world where there are more queer people. I happen to live in that part of downtown Toronto. You know, there's a lot of queer people here. So, you know, it would be sort of an odd thing to not have some of that, especially if you were trying to um, show yourself as a a diverse person. But that, that follows through with every segment of you know that you're trying to cover um so but i still think like i would also then ask what does cancel mean to you right like what does it mean in terms of what you're saying politically you know are you is it performative is it you know can you give in other ways that are not about shooting because i think you know, everybody wants to be politically correct. And I get that part. But I also think that it still comes down to not everything is going to be for them. Yeah, no, I think what you said about like, if you want to shoot queer weddings, have people in your life, have people in your community. That's, that's always been my answer to it. But again, like, I'm a bald white guy. I don't want to explain these things to people. (laughs) So yeah, no, it's, yeah. No, it's good. It's good for you to ask me. It's good for you to ask the people that are, you know, in the communities, you know, asking black people what they prefer. I want to know Indian people. What do they prefer? I want to know that, you know, and I don't take offense to not being their chosen one because mm-hmm. there are 7 billion people on this planet. There's another segment that you're not even thinking of that you can tap into. Why does it matter that much? You know, what matters to me more would be to say to them, write a really phenomenal blog post about how important queer people are in your life or how much Black Lives Matter means to you, you know, or something like, you know, how, how it's affected you in, in different ways. If that's, if you know, something that may not be even politically correct to do that, but, you know, find a way to get that out there that it is not connected to your photography whatsoever. It's connected to the essence of who you are Mm -hmm. because shooting their weddings doesn't really matter. Yeah. I think that's where it's okay to not be politically correct and, and stumble a little bit and absolutely. And then then take ownership of those stumbles. But I think you're right. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be just because you're a wedding photographer. doesn't mean that the only way that you can support that community is through shooting a wedding for those people exactly. you can donate to a cause you can do exactly. whatever you can amplify voices donate is a perfect opportunity i mean even if it's a shoot that you're going to donate show, donate a shoot to something that you know an auction of some sort shoot an event offer you know the like career community center you know free free sessions you know something no problem but you know don't make that um 
you know, really sort of look at your, the essence of what you're trying to do. And it's not all about making money. But this is a business podcast, so we... Yeah, I know, but okay, 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 okay. So um, at the beginning of COVID, I, uh, my co-op did weekly sing-alongs, sort of like they were doing in Europe, which was really cool. And I photographed the first one, and the coordinator of the co-op said, you know, could you send me those, those photos? And I did, and she sent them into the Co-op Federation of Canada, and my biggest client this month is the Co-op Federation of Canada, who got those photos, ran them, and then decided to hire me for a big gig. Okay. Like, there's a way. <laughs> there are ways, yeah. you know, that are, that's, that, that was the most beautiful way to find work. That's, mm -hmm. to me, in my opinion, because that was nothing that had any kind of ego or, you know, I wasn't trying to gain anything. I was doing it for myself. They just happened to be, you know requested and I sent them off and that was it and months later it turned into something else and that's how it should be in the queer community too and in the yeah. black community too yeah no I'm, I'm a I'm a big proponent of, of free or full price we've done lots of free charity work over the years and and not to get work at the end of it just because yeah. it's the right damn thing to do and it, it was is. a cause that we believed in or or whatever like Abby used to for years I think six or seven years shot the breast cancer survivors parade every mm -hmm. single year mm -hmm. Great. donated hours of her time and did it because it was a cause that was close to her heart and, and yep. things like that and and if and if somehow it comes back to be a sure. client fantastic yeah you know that's not the essence of what it is but you know it, it's it's just it says so much more about who we are as hum, human beings and mm -hmm. business owners but as human beings because you're showing up as a business owner that you are a human being Yes, especially as like a, a solo or, or small business creative company. Yeah. You're yeah. you're allowed to still be a person, you know. You have we're, to we're, be. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're not Enron who is trying to be a person uh, so that we can avoid legal trouble. We're no. just people in our in our home offices just trying to yeah. get by. Yeah, totally. But those are good questions and I, I think they need to be asked and they need to be asked in a way that pushes pushes the buttons, you know. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk to you. Oh, sorry, Angie, do you have something you want to say? I've been talking a lot. Go for it. <laughs> no, I just said, I was just saying, I think that in the, in these times, especially when people are, you know, they're, they're being more cautious about how they're coming off, especially, you know, the business platform that they've created for themselves um, and trying to avoid cancel culture, but also trying to be cognizant of like, this is how I feel, but how do I put it out there and not look like I'm just taking advantage mm -hmm. of yeah. the situation. I think these are really important conversations to have. You know, I thought about myself putting on my website, like on the front page, like I believe love is love. I believe, you know, everyone's story deserves to be documented just because I, like I shot a, I shot a same sex wedding back. It was my last wedding before everything uh. shut down in March. Um, and these two women were amazing and I, I love their wedding and I love the, I loved everything about it. And when they went to go hire me, one of their first questions was, do you, do you shoot same sex weddings? Like they mm -hmm. had to ask that. Mm -hmm. And that really, really bothered mm -hmm. me that they had to even ask. Mm -hmm. So I think these are important conversations to be having and important things that people need to be asking themselves. How can I make my position more visible mm -hmm. to my clients and to my community? So then that way I am attracting, you know, what it is that I want to shoot and what it is that I stand for. So I agree because you know what? No one wants to be um, in a position to have to call and ask whether or not you'll make our cake, you know? Yes. And, and, and that's, it's a good thing. Put some language on there. You know, these are the things mm -hmm. I support that should be in your about me page. If you can, mm -hmm. you know, even if it's just at the bottom, mm -hmm. here's a bunch of links to things that matter to me, mm -hmm. you know? And I, you know, everybody's got a different opinion about this, but I think that we need to be political in these things, you know, on, to, I, I don't, I don't care if I ostracize someone that, you know, I, I'm okay with them not choosing me if they're a Trump supporter. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> these things aren't political though. We had a, a conversation with another person on this podcast and, and I think he said something that really struck me of, 
it's not a political issue. It's like a moral or ethical issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. They've been made into political issues, but at the root of it, you know, Black Lives Matter is just, hey, those people should be treated like everybody else. That's a moral or ethical issue. There's no politics involved. And same thing with, with, with LGBTQ issues and all these other things. It's like, this is just a people thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that's sort of why it, the exact reason why it's political too, though, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, when it comes down to it, you know, we're so self-aware uh, than up here, but it's still up here too. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, even where I live, like, you know, it still can be so, but yeah. So Angie, I, I liked that because, you know, it is, it is actually at least saying like, you don't have to ask that question. I'm answering it for you. And I th- the first thing I thought of to say to you was, wow, brave of them to ask you that. Because if they didn't see that on this website and they didn't see that on your Instagram and right. they still chose to actually sit and talk to you, wow, like that's amazing, you know? Yeah. And it's a risk, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a risk for us to have to ask those questions, right? you know, the same way that that couple had to ask about their wedding cake, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. that really is the truth in the world unfortunately so yeah so good good uh good question to ask and i'm glad you shared that yeah i mean i still i haven't put it on my site yet but i'm in the process of redoing some of my my own website like everybody else right now (laughs) Uh, and and i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out um where to where to place it because i just Mm -hmm. i do think it is important and you know when when that woman asked me that question, I felt such, I could feel the tension over the phone. It was a, it was a phone consult. They, they like their webcam wasn't working or something like that. And I, I just felt the hesitation and I'm like, I don't want anyone to have to feel that way. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I mean, maybe that's the best way to nip it in the bud. They are on my homepage slider now though. Great. <laughs> they were awesome. That's um, awesome. So hopefully they hired, just they hired you. They hired me. Yeah. They hired great. you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it worked out, right? But yes. like, it's just, you know, the barrier to entry is real, mm-hmm. you know, right. for, for, for disenfranchised folks. And we need to be proactive about that, especially bald white men. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, Dave. <laughs> I mean, you know, he is my twin, but I, I got the hair in the family. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so thank you for taking that that side road with me. I thought it was really important to have that conversation. Um, yeah, I agree. To to get back on on some of the other uh, things that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, do you have any recommendations for people, whether it's a book, a podcast, uh, anything, who are looking to improve their writing? Every time I ask this question, the number one answer is always "Bird by Bird" by Anne Lamott. So I'm just going to take that one off the table. You know, the first book that I was recommended in journalism school was um, On Writing Well by William Zinser. It's classic. You know, um, Strunk and White is also classic. How do you spell the name of that first author? William, sorry. Zinser. I'm going to just Google it. It's called On Writing Well. It's been around. Z-I-N-S-S-E-R. I will put it in the show notes as well, but I just wanted to make sure. I got do Canadians it. say Z instead of Z? Yeah. Do and you imagine do. how hard that was oh. for me when I lived in the states for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I learned something new every day. But I actually learned <laughs> Z first because I have an American mother. So, so many of us learned Z because it rhymes in the alphabet song. Yeah, <laughs> and then in the you song exactly from the alphabet song. And everybody yeah. says Z instead. <laughs> yeah. W X Y and Z. <laughs> okay, sorry. It falls, I know for this it falls very flat, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so on writing well with William Zinzer, what was the second one? Yeah. Sorry, uh, Strunk and White. Uh, I need to that one is called uh, Elements of Style. I've heard that one before. Okay, yeah, um, and so uh, White is E. B. White, who wrote Charlotte's Web. Oh. Yeah, fair enough. And then are there any, I am a proponent of Grammarly because Mm -hmm. before Grammarly, I was an over comma -er. Um, Abby used to 
get so after me because I commented everything. Um, thankfully, mm -hmm. Grammarly, Grammarly has saved me from that. <laughs> Are there any other like quick tools or things like that that you can recommend for people? Oh, geez. Um, you know, I mean, it's funny because I had only ever had a, uh, a the freebie version of of uh, of that. Um, but I, I also and I use it now because of you, you actually were the one that said, get that, get it. Get it. <laughs> um, and I love it. But um, I also recommend taking free online courses. You know, there's, there's like lynda.com or um, Udemy. There's MOOCs. There's a bunch of different things. I can send you those links for your show notes. But, um, you know, a lot of people want to learn the basics uh you know just basic grammar to start and those sites all have everything from basic to university level grad school level courses and you can audit courses you can do things at say your own pace i love lynda.com because it's available free with my library card mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know every once in a while there's something in microsoft that you know because i have to use word for most of my clients and you know, there's something that I just don't get and there'll be like a whole entire course on just how to do tabs on things, you know? And so, yeah, but there's tons of writing courses in there, tons and tons. And, um, you know, I mean, the other thing, of course, that I'm going to just recommend is reading. It's surprisingly one of the things, surprisingly, that people don't actually do a lot of. Who one of the to. easiest ways to become a better writer yeah. is to read more. Totally, mm -hmm. totally. Absolutely. So, yeah. And not just Facebook posts. <laughs> <laughs> that absolutely does not count. Does not <laughs> count. Please exactly. Count. Unless you every know. single one of your friends has Grammarly and is a writer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Nope. Right. Nope. nope. My, 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 my whole world's a nice mix. Of, yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So. I, I've had this in my question queue for these podcasts since we started, and I haven't asked anybody yet this, I don't think. And I want to ask you this because I just think it'll be a really interesting answer. Tell me something that you believe is true that almost no one agrees with you on. And this can be on any topic, whether it's writing or photography or politics or anything. I'm just going to let you go free on this. My goodness. Um, orange is a lifestyle. Orange is a lifestyle. <laughs> I almost wore mean? my orange patch. <laughs> and then I wore a different one for you. <laughs> um, no, yeah, that's, I, yeah, no. Um, something that I think that differently. Okay, this is controversial, but I don't always believe that being politically correct is the right thing. I think that we need to sometimes look at why we're being politically correct. And I think that it falls into stereotypes really quickly. And those two things are too, too connected. And I think that it's, you know, you need to be an individual and you need to be ethical, but that doesn't always mean being politically correct. I think sometimes being able to look at something from a different perspective helps the process even more. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a hard thing. People have very strong opinions about it. And I'm sure I'm going to get some hate mail now, but People I'm going to address your hate mail to me. I'll take care of it. <laughs> fantastic. Thank you. You didn't spell my last name right. <laughs> they could find me. Um, no, but I, I do. I think that, you know, it's it's good to have the, the, the essence of political correctness completely. But I think that sometimes we need to look at things from beyond that in order to, for progress to happen. So I agree. All right. Zoe, where can people find you on the Internet? Well, I'm going to be launching. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's live, so I can actually mention it. But um, yeah, I have a I have a great new site that's called ZoeTheWritingCoach.com, and uh, it has the most amazing logo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it was a lot of fun. I worked with you guys on that uh, throughout the course and pulled it together in the end. And I kind of love it. So, and you guys seem to love it too. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. It's a really good website. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Angie, you want to take us home? I sure do. Okay. So Zoe, seeing as business is an adventure, what are some field notes or the trail guide that you would give to somebody else if they're starting their own adventure? That nothing is linear. Hmm. That, you know, that we think it is. We think that we're supposed to map everything out 
step one to step two to step three. It's, it's never really that. It's actually all over the map. And we learn as we're going along and we can make incredible mistakes, dust ourselves off and keep moving, go back to square one, reinvent. I mean, you know, I've probably reinvented myself a million times now. So yeah, I would say not to get bogged down in the idea of what you think the trajectory is and accept that it's not it's not a linear path um but it's it's it can be really phenomenal regardless once you get there and you'll have a whole bunch of other adventures you didn't even know about if you accept that you know i love those final thoughts that was the most succinct final thought that anyone has had so far (laughs) nothing is linear let me explain That was really good. Well, yeah, it's been my life. My life has been nonlinear, so it's it's a theme for me. But uh, yeah, well, life's an adventure, right? It is. Yeah, it is absolutely an adventure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, guys. This has been great. I uh, I needed this, so appreciate it. <laughs> Glad we can be yeah. po- podcast therapy for you. <laughs> I mean, you know, isn't life therapy every day? <laughs> yeah, especially no. these days. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, sitting at home. So, thank you. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a joy. Thanks so much for tuning into our show today. You can find a transcript of this episode and all of our episodes, as well as our show notes at businessasanadventure.co/podcast. You can find us on our Instagram at businessasanadventure. We'd also love to see you in our Facebook community where we provide weekly free education for our fellow adventurers. You can find the link in our show notes. And finally, if you want to get a weekly, not spammy email from us with our favorite things we've found in the business and creative world, you can sign up for our Field Note Fridays at businessasanadventure.co slash fieldnotes. Notes.